Welcome to the Cherry Hills Podcast. We're in a three-week series called Reflections in the Wilderness. During this series, you'll hear from different leaders sharing what God's been teaching them in this challenging season. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. I'm thankful to be with you today. And today we're starting a series called Reflections in the Wilderness. We've just finished the book of Numbers. And uh, Pastor Steve and Pastor Brian and I, over the next three weeks, are going to take time to just share what we've been noticing, first in our own lives, and then also in the lives of some of you and in our community. We're going to talk about that, and we each feel like we have something the Lord wants us to share that would be helpful to all of us. And today, if you ask me, as I've been reflecting during this time of COVID, we're now in our sixth month of doing this, I would use the word slippage. It's the word uh, that's the title of this message. And I want to talk to you today about slippage and what we can do about it. If you're following along in the notes, I want you to see that in this wilderness time, it's so easy for slippage to occur. In this wilderness time, it's so, I mean, anybody want to say amen? It's so easy for slippage to occur in our relationship with the Lord. And so, As I've been thinking, I wrote some of the things down that I've just noticed in myself. I've noticed periods of procrastination. I've noticed a loss of sensitivity to people. I've noticed a loss of responsiveness to God at times. I've noticed that I've become a little more opinionated. At least it's more obvious to me that I'm opinionated. A little more short-fused. I'm more easily led by my ever-changing feelings. I've noticed a critical spirit at times. I've uh, noticed a more frequent self-indulgent spirit, uh, a laziness, and times of loss of discipline. And I've tried to understand why this is. And I think I was, (laughs) um, one of the things that happened is I'm usually gone most of the day. And so my wife uh, has noticed that I have uh, infringed on her uh, schedule, her routine. And we like each other a lot. But we found out that we like each other sometimes in different rooms. (laughs) And so we've had to learn. And I think what I would put my finger on is when you change my routine, you find out a lot about me. And all of us have had to change our routines. All of us have found out what kind of habits we have in these times, and so what is that like? And I, I received an email, uh, several of us, the pastors did, and I, I asked permission to share this, but one person in our church said this so well. This new situation that we find ourselves in requires much change to our routine. My family has been less than faithful to our weekly attendance. It took us several weeks to get into the habit of attending online. But even still, we are not as consistent as we have always been in a face-to-face format. I'm seeing a blessing in all this as I find that I am challenged to take responsibility for my study and prayer. I've never before been in so many situations when I just didn't know how I should respond. Talking about their work situation as well. And so, as a consequence of my lack of focus, I have struggled But in this homebound situation, there is no excuse. Time and flexibility in my schedule are greater than they've ever been, so I have committed to reviving my personal prayer and study. And they go on to write some other things. But I thought, wow, wow, 
They're just admitting to the same slippage in their life that I'm seeing in my life. And then uh, I read this. This was at the end of May. That's three months ago. And listen to this. Despite a reported initial surge in online attendance and a subsequent slump, new polling by the Barna Group shows a rather surprising reality. 48% of churchgoers say they have not watched any church online in the last four weeks. Let that sink in for a minute. Almost half of all churchgoers haven't done any online or in-person church in a month. And that was three months ago. And what I think we've all seen is that sometimes when a new situation arises, we all rally at first. We all go, okay, I got to try even harder. I got to give myself, I got to make sure I really lean in. And then as time goes on, we kind of relax and pull back and there's this danger of slippage. So today, here's what I want to do. I want to talk a little bit more about what slippage is, how it happens, and what we can do about it. And I think you're going to see that the New Testament provides a tremendous answer to what other Christians before us have learned about dealing with slippage. So would you pray with me before we look at that together? Now, Lord, help me help people. But most of all, help me glorify you. Thank you for your word, your instruction. Thank you that you've not left us without a testimony, without an opportunity. So help us, Lord. Help us understand what we can do about the slippage when we notice it. In your name we pray, amen. So if you're following along in the notes, I want to talk about how we can stay connected to our true purpose in these times, these wilderness times, and when we find slippage going on. First, here's what I've learned about myself. This slippage, if you're following along, in us is often the result of drifting. This slippage in us is often the result of drifting. In other words, I guess what I'm saying here is this. I didn't wake up and say, how can I slip? I didn't say, well, you know, I think I'll just, you know, hey, I'll just, you know, get into slippage. No, it was more a matter of drifting. And sometimes when you're drifting, you don't necessarily realize you're drifting. So notice this if you're following along. Drift, here's the definition of it, means to go with the current, be carried away, to coast, to wander, to stray. To go with the current, be carried away, coast, wander, or stray. And again, what it means is just, it's just, I'm just going to give in to it. I'm just going to, I'm not going to fight it. It's the path of least resistance. And so it's just possible after a while to go, you know what, I'm just, I'm just tired. And so I, I'm just, just going to like, well, whatever happens, happens. And just be carried along. If you can picture a leaf on top of the water that's just going down the stream. No fight, just drift. And that drifting happens in our lives so easily unless we're intentional. And so notice this, that this world's pull, if you're following along, can gradually carry us far from God's purpose. This world's pull can gradually carry us from God's purpose. Now notice, I I use that word pull, but also I use the word gradually. Because sometimes it's so subtle that we don't realize, all of a sudden we go, I used to 
I used to be here, and now I'm here. How did that happen? Because it happened so slowly or so gradually. And so as we think about this, have you ever, have you ever felt the world's pull? I, I once asked my dad, I said, Dad, why, do, why doesn't everybody just follow Jesus? And he said to me, well, I, they might, but there's, there's also a devil. And I remember he explained to me not only that, but there's the pull of the world's value systems, and there's also our own flesh. And therefore, if we are not aware that we're in a battle, we will find ourselves being carried away. We will find ourselves. And so here's just a, a verse from 1 John 2, 15 through 17. Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do in your relationship with the Father. It just isolates you from him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out, but whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. Now, this is a, the pull that sometimes we feel is the value system or just saying, you know, come on, you don't have to be like so serious about God. You don't have to be so, you know, don't, don't be crazy about Jesus. I mean, come on. And so as we think about this, notice one more thing. The truth is we'll never drift into spiritual maturity. So if you and I decide to just say, you know, well, I'll just, what's so bad about drifting? Just know that drifting will never, ever get you there. It'll never carry you into spiritual maturity. So here's what Jesus said in John 15, 5. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. That word remain is interesting. That means stay. Don't drift. Don't slip. Stay. Abide. Abide means, if you say, welcome to my humble abode, what do you mean? Welcome to my home. That's where I live. Abide in me. Live there. Live there. That's, that, if you'll live there, then you will bear, your life will have a fruitfulness to it. But if you get into slippage, if you begin to drift from that, the life sap that I can let flow into you and through you, you're not going to be able to take advantage of that. And you will start to experience a deadness and emptiness that you were never meant to know. Remain in me. Stay in me. Watch out for slippage. So if you're following along, notice this, is that to keep from drifting, the first Christians devoted themselves. To keep from drifting, the first Christians devoted themselves. And, and some of you say, like, what would that look like? Because, you know, Jeff, I got a life. I got more to do than just go to church or other things like that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus that touches every area of your life. But notice this verse. This verse has helped a lot. 2 Corinthians 8, 5. Look at what it says here. I love this. We discovered this about 14 or 15 years ago when we were trying to think about moving out here. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. Here's what I found. If I can wake up every day and give myself first to the Lord and then by the will of God as he directs me to other people, 
I will begin to notice that instead of drifting, now I'm devoting myself. So what's devote mean? A lot of times when we talk about uh, devoted, we use it in terms of uh, couples that maybe have been married to each other for a long time or family members that when one of them gets real sick and has to be in the hospital, they go, they're so devoted to each other. What do we mean? If you're following along, here's a definition of devote. Devote means to continually give yourself to someone or something. To continually give yourself to someone or something. Here's one of the verses from 2 Corinthians 5 as well. It says this, he died, Jesus died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Do you see the change? And now all of a sudden there's a devotion. Why is there a devotion? First, because he devoted himself to giving himself to us. And then there's that response that we no longer, then we no longer want to be devoted to our own self-indulgence, our own self-gratification. Now we want to be devoted to him. And so the early church was just struck by that so much. And I want to talk to you about how they devoted themselves. But before I do, I want to just stop and say this. If this seems self-promotional, please forgive me. This isn't my goal at all. But I've taught on this in the last year, year and a half. And I want to just point to you two, two messages that if it's in your heart to do so, you may want to review these. Some of you, I just even got an email this week that says, I tend to go back into the archives when I'm working out and I just listen to different messages. And they wrote me about a couple they've been listening to lately. If that's not you, please feel no obligation, no pressure. But if it is you, if you think this would help you, here's two. I I did a message in baptism one time called Continue. And it was based on this verse, by the way. It was based on 2 Timothy 3, uh, which, again, when we went through 2 Timothy, you may not remember this, but 2 Timothy 3 says this. In the last days, there will be terrible times. And then goes on and unpacks the way people will go off the rails like crazy. They'll become self-absorbed, self-obsessed, more narcissist than ever in the world. And as a result, there will be so much anarchy and chaos in our world. Anybody notice some patterns here? And then what does it say in 2 Timothy 3, 14? Do we have that, Tom? Just, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and become convinced of. In other words, man, if you think that when those hard times and terrible times come in this world, that drifting is going to help you, it is not going to help you. You're going to actually become part of the problem rather than part of the answer. And so continue. And so the other message, if we go back to that, was one that I did uh, just right before COVID called Life Together. And some of what I'm sharing today is just kind of coming back to that. I go into way more detail in that message, but it's based on Acts 2, 42 through 47. So how do they devote themselves? Would you read uh, in that second gray box there, uh, Acts 2, 42 with me, please. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now, before I unpack this, let me just tell you that in the first gray box, is one of the saddest verses I know in the Bible. And some of you know about this. If you read the, the, the epistles, the letters that Paul wrote to the churches, you'll see a guy's name show up a couple times. His name was Demas. He was a coworker with Paul. This guy had given himself to Jesus. And then late in Paul's ministry, he writes this letter 
to his friend Timothy. And um, would you mind reading it with me in that first gray box? Do your best to come to me quickly, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. What was going on? Demas went from being devoted to drifting. And when he drifted, he drifted so far that he actually deserted Paul and he deserted being serious about Jesus. And because he loved this present world and hooked his heart to that, he drifted. And I just want to say this. That can happen to me. Some of you, I don't know if you've noticed slippage patterns in yourself, but here's what I'm learning. This is just the honest truth. I can slip in a 24-hour period. In one day, my heart can drift from the Lord. Therefore, learning how to follow Jesus one day at a time and renewing my heart each day is the only way to practice being devoted. And so when I share that, that says devote means to give yourself, I just need to tell you a quick story. When I was a kid, my parents gave me chores. I also had jobs. I, had, I delivered newspapers. I cut lawns. I, I worked in a, a, a department store. I did grocery store. You guys have heard some of the stories. My parents also made us dust our rooms and things like that. We, we loved all of it. It was just glorious. Anyway, I remember my parents, they said, look, look, it's up to you how you do things. If you want to give the bare minimum, we can't control you. That's a hard thing. But if you choose to give yourself, put your heart into even the littlest task, you'll like life better in the long run. And they were so right. So here's what I want to just say. As you look at these next four things that I've underlined, these are the four things that they devoted themselves to. I want you to kind of use a self-assessment evaluation to see where you are. Now, I'm talking to you if you're a believer. If you're listening, you're here or online, and you are not yet a follower of Jesus, and you're not even sure yet you want to be a follower of Jesus, all I want you to know is that if you decide one day to be a follower of Jesus, these are the things that will help you grow in your relationship with Jesus and his people. But for those of us that call ourselves followers of Jesus, what would it look like if we just took like a slippage evaluation and just saw? So here's what I'm asking. When I talk about each one of these four, in your hand, you don't have to show anybody, but uh, would, where would you be between a one and a five? One being slipped pretty far, Five being you're actually leaning in, you're, you're, you're devoting yourself, okay? So five being strong, one being weak. Here we go. The first one is this. Here's what they did. They devoted themselves to learning by feeding on and obeying God's word from the apostles. They devoted themselves to learning by feeding on and obeying God's word from the apostles. I already told you this. It says when they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Do you have an imagination for what that looked like as they, as they listened? I can picture Peter standing up and saying, Jesus told us this parable one day. And here's how he responded. And guess what? Now we can read it in the New Testament. You see, when you read the New Testament, 
you are reading what the apostles taught. And what the apostles taught from was the Old Testament and showed how Jesus fulfilled that. And so when you read God's word, so let me just, let me just ask you, are you devoting yourself to being in God's word every day? Or do you only open your Bible or open your tablet or the Bible when you come into a room like this or when a pastor asks you to? Have you learned how to feed yourself with the word of God? And you may say, well, it doesn't make sense to me. I don't, I don't understand a lot of it. I, I can understand. But what if you just read a portion of it? Let me just tell you what I'm doing. I decided this year, again, before COVID, that I was going to read through the Gospels four times this year. I realized that would still fit within 365 days and give me a few days of grace. But what happened is, is I've, I've not missed a day so far because I've just tried to say, look, if I slip that way, I know myself in a 24-hour period. Don't, it's not, don't admire me. It's because I know how weak I am. But here's, just give you an example of what happens when you put yourself within hearing range of God's voice. So this week, I'm reading about Jesus warning about falling asleep and not being alert when he comes back. And all of a sudden, I thought to myself, Lord, I don't even think of you coming back. All I think about is what's popular in our society or what's going on in this world or blah, 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 blah. And the Lord just going, man, tune in. Because everything that's going on in this world is ultimately going to center itself in my return. The kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Lord and Christ. Jeff, are you giving yourself, are you sticking your mind into my plan for the world? Because if you're not, you're going to be eternally out of date one day, man. You're hooking yourself to something. So I just see the value. So one out of one of five in your hand, if you just silently did that, would you give yourself a one to five? And again, this isn't to judge yourself. This is just to say, God, please show me if there's any slippage so that I can deal with it. Second thing is this. Is, um, and by the way, Charles Spurgeon is a pastor in the 1800s. I love his passion. Look at what he says. Half our fears arise from neglect of the Bible. The Lord doesn't just challenge me through his word. The Lord many times steadies me, comforts me. Have, have you experienced that? I, 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 Marilyn, I see you right down here. Remember, when I am afraid, I put my trust in thee, Psalm 56, 3. It's a verse she and I have shared, but his word. So the next thing, uh, they devoted themselves to loving, not only to learning, but also to loving. Well, how? By choosing to give, serve, and share with one another. By giving, by choosing to give, serve, and share with one another. You know, don't you, that you can't just say, I love you without giving yourself. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. I've been crucified with Christ. The life I now live, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Love gives. So the early believers, they, they did that. They, they look for ways to give themselves to one another, to serve one another, to share with one another. And when you and I do that, and let me just tell you, so the challenge I've found in my life sometimes is that I have opportunities from time to time where either someone, you know, in my family will give me a gift or uh, sometimes because I do funerals and weddings, I did one yes, yesterday. And when I receive an honorarium like that, I, I, in the past, I've just gone, well, lucky me. I wonder what I want to do with that. It still happens, but I've noticed the Lord sometimes says, why don't you give that 
to a mission partner. Why don't you give that to using some gift cards for your neighbors and tell them you're glad they're your neighbors? Why don't you do this? In other words, I'm not saying, sometimes he says, use that to take your family, you know, somewhere. I mean, he, he, am I giving him a chance to show me how to serve and give and share? Because it's not just my stuff anymore, it's his. Notice the third thing, and by the way, in terms of loving uh, in your heart, are you noticing any slippage or would you say, you know, between one and five on your fingers? The third one, worshiping in big and smaller groups with glad and sincere hearts. They were worshiping people. They were filled with awe, but they also met together in temple courts and homes in big and smaller groups with glad and sincere hearts. Acts 2.46 says, I'm sorry, by the way, I forgot to just read this passage, but would you mind putting Acts 2.43 through 46 up? that we can just look at that on the screen and I'll catch up. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So they found ways. Now, some of you are going to immediately say to me, look, Jeff, you do realize that I can't necessarily get together. Some of you, especially online, you're saying, you know, the reason I'm not there is because of this crazy coronavirus. Here's what I want to say is no more excuses for gathering together, whether it's here or online. Whichever way you need to do it right now, you can still give yourself to being with other people. I've noticed all kinds of creativity. Some people, they watch this service alone, but they call someone afterwards and discuss it. I've noticed people meet in garages, people meet in homes, people meet outside, people meet in this room. Look, there is a way, if it's in your heart to do so, to devote yourself to worshiping with other people. And here's what I want to challenge you. If you're not already in a group, virtual or in person, turn your notes over to the back. And this fall, we are providing all kinds of opportunities. And if you go to the website or you text CHGroups at 94090, which is at the bottom of the page on the back of the notes, you can either scan that code or go to our website. That text will take you to that, and you can sign up. Again, Trish and I have been in a group for years. I cannot imagine what we do. We've had to do it online for quite a bit. Now we're finding out ways to meet outside. The point is... If it's in your heart to do it, you can do it. Now, some of you go, you don't understand. I've got little kids. You don't understand. Look, then figure out a way to do something. I have found that you can still call someone. After the kids are in bed, you could still text someone. It may be a small amount of getting together, but there is a way to do life together if it's in your heart to do so. What would you say uh, between one and five? How are you doing in this area? Last one is they devoted themselves by inviting, by making room for others the Lord wants to add. By inviting, by making room for others the Lord wants to add. Look at Acts 2, 47, if you would, here on the screen, because it says that they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. In other words, it wasn't just us four, no more. They kept saying, who else, Lord, do you want to put on my heart that you want me to pray for, reach out to, build a relationship with. And we're going to be talking about this so much this fall that I won't talk about it a lot now. But do you have even one person you're praying for that God might add to the kingdom 
because he cares for them as much as he cares for you. Are you turned inward or are you turned outward? Are we a church that exists for ourselves or also for others? We want to be that kind of church. So what would you say? Has the evangelistic flame in your heart gone up and down during COVID? Here's one thing I just want to say. What I've noticed in COVID is I haven't been a total scoundrel. I haven't been in total slippage the whole time. What I've noticed is extremes. I've noticed an erratic. Sometimes I've been so committed to Jesus and it's been powerful. And then other days I get up and go, oh, well, and just let myself drift along. And again, so it takes this every morning waking up and saying, oh God, teach me how to learn today. Teach me how to love today. Teach me how to worship today with others. Teach me how to invite so that it's not just about me. Keep growing my heart because as I do, I realize I'm connected to something that's going to last for eternity, not just something that's passing away and will eventually leave me empty and dead. Where are you at? Does this help to kind of think about this with me? So as we come to this part here, I just want to, there's one more line in this section. And this is what really struck me when I shared about life together back in January. If you're following along, Jesus moves us from a have to, to a want to and get to spirit. Jesus moves us from a have to, to a want to and get to spirit. I just want to make much of Jesus today. Every time I have gotten away from giving myself more wholeheartedly and fully to Jesus, you know what's brought me back? Looking at the cross. If that is not a symbol of giving yourself fully as a want to, and a get to, the Bible says, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross for us because he knew that by giving himself that way, it would open the door to change our hearts. And so the early church was not the kind of people to go, well, I guess I better love, worship, invite, because that's what we're supposed to do. No, there wasn't that. And whenever it showed up in their hearts, they fought that off with a no, 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 Lord Jesus, in light of what you've done for me, right? So here's just one of my favorite examples in the New Testament. Here it is, the Macedonian Christians. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, in other words, they were broke. They had lost their jobs. They were being persecuted for Jesus. It says, it welled up in rich generosity, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able. There was a famine among the Jewish people in another country, and they heard about it, and they look, notice how they responded. For I testify they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, a want to. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, would you read this with me? first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So just in the most practical ways, what have I noticed? I noticed that in the past, I used to get out of bed in the morning, and I would just get on my knees and say, good morning, Lord, it's a new day. You gave yourself for me. Now show me how this day to give myself to you, first to you, and then to whoever you guide me to today, 
I'll keep my antenna up. I sometimes put it down, but I'll keep it up. Show me, Lord. And then one day at a time, because I can't commit beyond one day at a time, just learning to freshly devote. So as we wrap this up, where are you today? As we fight slippage in ourselves, here's the question. And again, you have to answer it for yourself. Am I moving in the direction of drifting or devoting myself? As you used your hand for those those fingers for each one of those four. Did you, did you see any areas? Would you say overall, am I, am I too like Jeff's been drifting at times? Or am I, am I in this season right now where I'm finding myself leaning back in? Wherever you find yourself, here's the good news. The good news is you can choose this day to refresh your heart in God. And the Holy Spirit is pulling for you. The Holy Spirit is saying, come on, I'll help you but I'm not going to choose for you because that would be making you a mechanical person. I am, I am inviting you, every breath, an invitation we sang, to just say, okay, Lord, I've gotten kind of, uh, I've been taking you for granted. I've been getting away from things. I got caught up with so many other things. Some of you are saying, Jeff, if you only knew my routine right now, do you realize that these holy habits, these routines, can help us move in that direction. Yesterday, I did a funeral, and I shared an illustration I'll just share with you as we close. Some of you go, Jeff, I can't fit anything more into my schedule. I'm not asking you to do that. In fact, I'm saying, even the things you're already doing, what if you did them with Jesus? But here's the thing. If you and I don't give ourselves first to the Lord, nothing else is gonna go right. So I shared how a man used to take his cardigan sweater and he used to show that if you don't button the first button to the first buttonhole and get that right, the shirt will never fit right because then all the buttons will be wrong. And sometimes he would button like the fourth buttonhole to the first one and his shirt would look funny. What are we trying to learn? We're trying to learn to give ourselves first to the Lord and then to the people he guides us to give. And if we'll do that, friends, Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Here's the closing question. Can you imagine what if together we each devote ourselves as they did and engage? What if we did? So what is it for you? Is it it getting in a group? Is it making sure you read at least a portion? What if it's only, you know, a few verses each day, but you're feeding yourself with God's word and then what you listen to, I've noticed my intake can determine whether I drift, but also whether I practice it. And so can I just invite you, keep your notes out. Can you just look at those four? And I want to invite you to just pray with me right now. You don't have to close your eyes, but would you, would you just talk to God in these closing moments? And if you need to say, Lord, this message today came right to where I'm at. I, I just, I hadn't thought about it, but I've noticed there's slippage in my life too with you. You asked me to remain in you. You asked me to abide in you. And I I haven't been doing that as seriously or as intentionally. Could you just name that? You don't have to beat yourself up. Can you just name it? And maybe God will show you some of the ways that you're slipping that he wants to say, hey, uh, would you change uh, your routine so that that habit doesn't get sway over you? Would you come back to some of those holy, helpful habits, daily practices, spiritual disciplines? like these people did, will you give yourself to learning, loving, worshiping, inviting? And then 
Just if it's in your heart to do say, say, Lord, nothing fancy. I just want your giving yourself to me to echo back in my heart, giving myself to you. And I'm going to just learn. I know there'll be inconsistencies some days. There's no perfect walk with you on this side of heaven. But Lord, help me keep coming back to you. Help me continue. And when I find myself slipping, run back to you. Take a moment just to talk to him. Thanks for joining us today. If you would like more information or to stay connected to Cherry Hills Church, please visit our website at cherryhillsfamily.org or follow us on Facebook.